welcome to episode 27 of the Adelan Rising podcast. In this episode, we discuss the season premiere of ABC's Inhumans. Hi, Doc and Adam. Howdy. Hello. Well, Hello. It's, finally, it's finally occurred. We have the Inhumans on TV. And um, I think the, uh, the the small screen does a lot of favors to the show. It's uh, um, uh, looked much better um, on TV than it did in the theaters. Yeah, I think that comes with uh, being on a 1080p and not a 4K screen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I enjoyed it the second time around much more than I enjoyed it in IMAX. So um, I guess let's get right to it. Doc, <laughs> you want to lead us in with the synopsis for episodes one and two? Right. So first we should say that this is going to be a spoiler-filled yeah. um, episode. So if you haven't watched it yet and you don't want spoilers, um, stop. <laughs> Go watch it, and then you can listen to us. Uh, because um, what happens in the first two episodes that that aired last night um, will be spoiled um, in this summary. Um, yeah, because so, I mean, cause, cause so, so just to clarify, last time we touched on the Inhumans TV show was when it was at IMAX. Um, but the last time we, we focused more on like production values, that sort of stuff. Uh, we're actually going to go into the plot today. So, <laughs> and not, not bash Scott Buck quite as much. Well, just <laughs> only as much as he deserves. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it was actually, um, the first two episodes. Um, and, uh, in the first episode, which is entitled behold the inhumans, uh, we are introduced to, um, Adelan, which is located on the dark side of the moon. Um, and it's, uh, uh, this very weird and different society of special powered beings who have lived secluded from the human world for generations. Um, it's not exactly told how they got there, but, um, they're there and they have a super rigid caste system um, that is all based upon uh, the particular powers that are bestowed to you by way of Terragenesis. Um, Adelan is ruled by the royal family, which is made up of uh, King Blackbolt and his wife, Queen Medusa, um, his younger brother, Maximus, and then their cousins or, I don't know, fellow relatives um <laughs> gorgon triton crystal and karnak and their dog lockjaw i think it's the star of the show i think it's worth saying that uh in, if if you're unfamiliar with the comic books um then basically in the comic books they they share i think it's like their grandparents or something uh related somehow yeah, but I think that's them. different in the TV show. All you really need to know right now is that Crystal is Medusa's sister. Right, that's, there you go. And she's um, the caretaker of Lockjaw. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, one, an early scene kind of sets the stage quite uh, for what kind of a society this is. That um, it's very much uh, bifurcated for the haves and have-nots. Um, there's this uh, a strict caste system um, that is kind of hammered home in a scene where two young inhumans uh, go through terragenesis. Uh, one of them 
uh, who, uh, a young woman named Iridia um, is bestowed with great powers. Uh, she gets sort of butterfly wings, and she can fly and looks great. And um, it's uh, quite clear that right off the bat, her social status has been augmented significantly by the uh, terrific gifts that, that the transformation has bestowed her. You, you, um, could, you could say she was elevated Hello. Meanwhile, her her uh, her peer, whose name is I forget. Um, Bernaja. What's his name? Bernaja. Um, uh, he uh, does not get great powers, or at first it seems that way. Maybe he does, and it's just not immediately evident. And because he is not bestowed fancy gifts, he is quickly escorted down into the lower bowels of the city where there are kind of work mines and is sent to the mines. So uh, you get to, if you don't get good powers, you're, you're kind of rendered a laborer. And if you do get good powers, you're made an aristocrat. And this is rigid and terrible and um but it's the way it is there and um the black bolt has um been bestowed incredible powers but powers that are a bit limiting because he he has a super size super powered voice um that if he even utters a word it creates this sort of seismic blast so he has to stay completely silent silent or else you know risk destroying everything around him and he relies on a sort of uh, idiosyncratic uh, sign language uh, that's interpreted not always uh, <laughs> correctly by his wife um, uh, well let's just so. say that she's not interpreting it incorrectly she's just saying what she wants to say <laughs> that's well put um <laughs> Now, uh, Black Bolt's brother, Maximus, um, who's uh, uh, he, he went through Terragenesis, and it appears as though it has had no effect on him whatsoever. Um, he's basically a regular human, which has made him something of a pariah in this society. But he's still the king's brother, so he doesn't have to go to the mines. But it's made very evident that um, he is um, an outcast in this society and um it's uh really had a bad effect on his self-esteem um and what what he uh, starts to do is um rile up a, a revolution uh, he 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 goes to the mines and um and he says you know we don't need to to be the underclass anymore just because we don't have great powers we can go to earth where we'll be free, and he petitions his brother to allow the uh, the, the the lower class in humans to to go to Earth because there's only limited resources on Adalan and whatnot. Um, but his brother does not want that to happen because he feels that if the humans learn of the Inhumans' existence, that it would lead to war. What am I missing? Uh, sounds about right. Um... Okay. Um, which which mean? I was just about to say um, the whole it would lead to war um, it is kind of suggestive of what's happened in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, yes. You know, and, and they, 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 they're they very well aware of that because I think the bit you did miss was Triton at the start of the episode 
Um, yeah, right. So what, yeah. what we should say is that that the the uh, re- the release of Terrigen into the water supply that that occurred um, in the second or third season of Agents of Shield has um, caused there to be inhumans uh, popping up all over the world in the human world and on Earth. On Earth. And uh, the Inhumans of Adelan have become privy to this, and um, Black Bolt has dispatched his his agent, um, Triton, who's like a fish-like dude, played by Mike Moe, and um, he goes down to Earth to try and rescue one of these Inhumans. Um, of course, it results in him being a shot and apparently killed, although he's not. I have a theory. Yes, we, we'll, we'll come back to that one. <laughs> we we've not yeah. seen the last of Triton, although it looks as though we have. Um, uh, so he, you know, Earth is dangerous, and um, Black Bolt is not willing to let his brother and the others go down there. And um, Maximus uses this as. Um, uh, to further his his plots to overthrow his brother and become the new king, um, so <clears throat> what happens, and this is around where the first episode wraps, is that um, uh, let's see now, um, Gorgon goes to Earth, um, and he goes to try and see what's happened to Triton, and he's sort of the enforcer. Uh, he's the main number one guard, um, and when when, he, when he's gone, uh, Maximus uh, starts his coup. And, and uh, well, now Black Bolt has has sort of retired to think about things, and he goes to his isolation chamber, and he's off the table too for a while there. Um, and one by one, uh, Maximus sort of divides and conquers the rest of the characters. Or tries by, to. Yeah, um, he, he, he's, uh, he's rallied up his forces, um, and there's some suspicion that he might actually have powers and that he has the uh, capability to, to control people's will and minds and that um, some of the people that, uh, that are following him might not be following him of their own volition. Um, uh now they try and get um, Karnak, but he manages to escape. In a really um, cool scene. It's a neat scene that uh, in the comic books Karnak doesn't have inhuman powers, but in this version he does, and it's uh, it's the powers that are really neatly demonstrated in the in the in the show. Um, he, he basically can he has the ability to see how situations will unfold, and then make decisions based on that foresight so um you know when he's initially attacked he sees well if i do this i'm gonna die if i do that i'm gonna die oh if i do this everything works out fine and he kind of goes through the whole thing it's really neatly done um he escapes but when he he escapes by way of the teleporting dog lockjaw who's my favorite um but it's a dog and he doesn't do a really great job of helping him escape he brings him to uh to Hawaii, where um, both Triton and Gorgon are, but like puts, but teleports him like high up on a rock, and he falls and hits his head, and 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 gets amnesia. No so, amnesia, I say a concussion. A concussion. He's a little not. Right. He didn't yeah, see the floor in his plan. 
<laughs> yeah, he did. He didn't see the floor. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, so then they then Maximus's forces go after Medusa, and she puts up. Now she has a uh, uh, living hair, and it's this. It looks better in, uh, in the theater than it did on the TV. The CGI is a little rough, um, but doesn't, <laughs> fortunately, it doesn't last very long. Um, <laughs> An inhuman who has nullifying abilities uh, uh, touches her, and she loses her 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 parental hair. And um, in a really creepy move, um, with kind of sexualized overtones, um, Maximus uh, cuts off her hair. And what's made clear is that um, you know Maximus has always carried a torch for. for Medusa, that he's uh, he coveted her, um, and that that was not a uh, an ovation that was reciprocated. And he got friend zoned. He he yes, he's been friend zoned, and he acted like a real jerk. And um, he has uh, Medusa's living hair cut off, and it's uh, quite a. Um, uh, a riveting scene, a very uncomfortable scene. It's, yes, absolutely. It's ostensibly a sexual assault, and um, it's quite creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if anything, that scene served to show you that if you were kind of rooting for Maximus before, he's really not. Yeah, he's really good. not the guy that you thought he was. Right, because up to then, he had been a very sympathetic character because... Um, you know, he he believed, he, or at least he presented himself as believing in equality for all in humans, which is something I certainly agreed with because um, the caste system, you know, is is terrible. Um, and uh, but then it turned out that he wasn't as magnanimous in his motives as as um, uh, he initially seemed, and he does this terrible thing. Um, but after she has her um, hair cut off, uh, she escapes, um, and by way of uh, Eldrak, the Living Door. No, Lockjaw. Oh, by way of Lockjaw, right? I forget. By way of Lockjaw, she teleports down to Earth, and he once again deposits her on on the Big Island of Hawaii, um, and um, she's much more savvy about the human world than than the others. Uh, and she is able to blend in with human society. It helps that she's had her living hair cut off, and she just looks like she has a very short hairdo. Um, then Maximus tries to go and um, take care of his brother. Um, I don't really know how he's planning on doing that, um, but before their interaction can lead to you know, any kind of carnage or destruction... Um, Lockjaw shows up and teleports um, Black Bolt down to uh, middle of Honolulu, um, and um, <laughs> now Black Bolt, unlike his wife, doesn't know anything about the human world. And it, I mean, he knows that he needs to go steal a, a suit somehow, <laughs> and ends up with a perfectly tailored suit, um, but very quickly ends up getting arrested. Um, he's unwilling to use his powers to their full extent and destroy the island of Hawaii, and for that I thank him. Um, but it does end up with him getting arrested and sent to Super Person Jail. If he if he had used his voice, well, if he had used his voice, he would have been found an awful lot, you know, very very quickly by the others. Yes, oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. And it's here that the first episode basically wraps up. Um, well, that's actually he he winds up in jail on the second, but that's yeah, basically. I I watched them conjointly, so it's kind of blends yeah, in my it, mind. They were they were kind uh, of aired the same way the IMAX aired them, which was pretty much consecutively. Um, no yeah. titles for the second episode, so. Yeah, I don't know what the second episode was called. Well, um, I think it was all just one episode. Okay. No, it had um, a separate title, but it was. Um, I think here comes it was, what was the first one called again? Sorry. Behold, Behold the, the human. human. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the second episode had a separate name, but I can't remember what it was at the moment. Right. Probably uh, divide and conquer or something. Uh, uh, no, that's episode three. That's the next episode. Ah, well, we'll find out. Um, so uh, it's it's a f- uh, pretty fun first chapter. I I, I feel like again it, it moves way too fast. It doesn't let things develop organically. Um, I feel like. The entire season could have been could have taken place on Adeline just establishing this weird alien society. Um, as it is, it's a it's an interesting introduction. Um, I thought all the things that had to do with the problematics of of the society was, was really fun um, and neat, disturbing, of course, but still intriguing. That's um, why they are interesting. Yeah, and uh, I, I loved. Uh, I mean, even though it's terrible, I love the way in which, you know, one inhuman gets good powers and, you know, is made a part of the aristocracy. Another gets not so great powers and is sort of made a slave. And it's just like, damn. Right. <laughs> um, so it's a, it's a metaphor if you don't catch that, but, uh, <laughs> but right. it's an interesting, um, and but then there are a couple scenes, um, that I wanted to point out before we go into the skipped scenes, I think. Sure. Um, well, not skipped scenes, scenes that weren't in IMAX. Um, or we can go into the IMAX scenes, whatever you guys want to do. No, hit us up. What do you want to talk about? Well, I wanted to talk about um, going back to Bernaja and, and his powers. Um, it becomes pretty clear that um, when Max touches Bernaja, um he actually does have power. So when you touch him, you he gets a vision of your future, basically. Uh, and I think Max figured this out really quick, but downplayed it to keep it to himself. And um, I thought that was really interesting, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that kid later in the series, because Max knows what he can do, but nobody else does. Um, I thought that was a really interesting scene. And then we had... That scene with Katang, I think we should touch base. Oh yes, right. So uh, to there's uh, also something on Adeline called the Genetic Council, and these are the sort of uh, the guys who decide um, who gets to marry and who does what, and everything about refining the bloodline and eugenics and all that wackadoo stuff. Um, and Maximus basically talks to the head of this council, this uh, inhuman named Katang, and, and says, you know, look, we're taking over this. I need you to support my coup. Katang says no. And uh, he has his, and Maximus has his assassin take care of him. Uh, I think, breaks I his think, neck, right? I, I don't know if um, I interpreted this the same, you know, correctly. Um, but it was basically, it seemed to me like Maximus read his mind. Um, yes. It just seemed like that Maximus had come to the conclusion that Katang did actually agree with him, 
but his allegiance still lied with the uh, Black Bottom Medusa. I'm not sure if I think that's, that's fair. Correct. I think I don't. I don't know if I don't know if that's actually true, but that's what it appeared to be anyway. What you're getting is a lot of subtle hints that that although Maximus is presented as having no powers, he actually does have powers. Yeah. He has telepathic Absolutely. powers um, that allows him to possibly read minds and definitely control. Oh, control him! You can see that. You can see that with Orin and and her eyes. I think. I just. Or any of their eyes. They all seem black. Um, which makes me think they're not in full control of themselves. In fact, that would, uh, that would be, you know, potentially because the, I noticed that the song that they used, um, whilst Maximus was approaching Medusa, I want to say, was painted black. So oh, I, yes. I know, I know it's probably a more of a nod to the whole, um, you know, Blackagar, Baltagon, yeah. that sort of thing. But, you know, it would be nice to say, that maybe it's to do with the eyes and to do with Maximus controlling them, that sort of thing. Right. So it's, uh, it, yeah, it's what's unspoken but quite evident is that Maximus does indeed have powers and that these powers allow him to manipulate people around him. Uh, most notably his his sort of girl Friday, who is an inhuman named Orin, played by... Uh, Sonia Bolomares. And she's I'm sorry. She's nothing like her comic book counterpart, um, but her her sort of gait and the look in her eyes, you can tell that she's um, being mind controlled um, by Maximus. I, th- um, I think I think I've, I mentioned this on Twitter last night. I, I think um, calling her Oren really did Charles Charles Soul a bit of a disservice on that one. Um, yeah, she's she's nothing like her counterpart in the in the comic books. Um, I think she actually looks the part of Oren and could totally rock the ears. I I, and I actually have no problem with, with how the character is portrayed. I just wish she had her hearing power. Yeah, no, me too. Um, and I, I think that's that's my biggest gripe because that's why her name is Oren because that's the, her her power is through her ears, through you know her oral system. Right. So yeah, it's yeah, it's a. Uh, but instead, she has uh, I have healing powers. Too, yeah, so she's basically the Wolverine of the in- the Inhumans, it seems. Yeah, yeah. Well, no claws, yeah. but no she claws. Can he- no. Uh, Definitely quite the assassin. Um, so let's see, what else did we? So I, I, he's got powers. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that was pretty much some... like it's, it's yeah. the, the 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 also the fact that he seems to be able to. Um, come across to the everyday person as being some sort of almost messiah-like prospect. <laughs> yeah, he seems he seems very prophetic. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, it's it's uh it's Ewan Rehorn, and and um he's really the he he's given some of the best lines um uh, and he really chews the scene up uh, well cast for sure. Um, yeah. The whole cast is pretty well cast. Uh, yeah, the whole cast is, is well, done, but yeah, he shines. Um, and um, you know, he, he, he's you know, he's really barely holding it in. You can tell that he's just uh, um, a bit power mad. Yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of fun to watch, though. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Even I think, the um, I think the other the other the other scenes that were missed from uh, IMAX were largely the, the the kind of the NASA space agency sort of scenes. 
Yeah, with Louise, who's going to be, I think, our human point of view character going forward. Yeah, so um, so I think the first one was um, uh, the so basically the scene with the the little moon rover that was in the IMAX scene, but the consequences of that weren't shown. It's basically right. the fact that Louise talks to her boss and she goes, "Oh, it looks like a hoof," and her boss is like. So you're saying me that up, saying to me up on the moon there is a man with a hoof who took our rover, and she goes, "Well, no, it just looks like a hoof." Right. And uh, uh, that was quite that was quite an amusing scene, I thought. Um, yeah. And then uh, she's well, saying what it looks like. It could have been a rock, but she's just saying it looks like a hoof. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a, a, an actor played by Ellen Waglom, and uh, yeah, she's a, she's she's a fun character. She's a, a good addition to the story. I thought it was a mistake to leave her out of the um, IMAX cut. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, it's Absolutely. definitely our. There's there's definitely some context in there that I think added to the whole overall. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the show. whole the whole context of. Um... You know, actually, somebody's out there identifying the fact there's people on the moon, um, right? But, and it was also it also made me laugh because the guy, her boss, was sort of like, "So you're telling me there's someone on the moon? Yeah, but we're also telling you that the Chitauri invasion of New York happened, that Ultron was a thing, that you know everything. You that know that there are people with superpowers popping up all over Earth because they drank fish oil, and you don't, and you, <laughs> and you don't believe that there's someone up on the moon. It's kind of like, right. yeah." It, it, He's a bit thick. Yeah. But uh, so we're introduced to her, and and basically she wants to explore this matter further. And her her boss is so dim witted and close minded that he basically tells her that she needs to take a vacation. That she's um, that, right, and her that, her boss is the one that probably needs to be readjusted. <laughs> um, now she she because Lockjaw has been teleporting uh, Inhumans down to to Earth, uh, she's able to somehow notice the seismic disturbance that is similar to what she had registered on the moon, and it makes her think that something has come down to Earth. Um, and later on, she finds out that she sees on a, a TV uh, news broadcast that, that uh, what had happened with Black Bolt on, in Honolulu, and so it's quite clear that her character is going to be heading to Hawaii to... Uh, further investigate um and there are future um there have been future uh episode screenshots already out um where you see her with medusa so i think medusa might be the first one she finds ah okay that's interesting I guess yeah. now uh meanwhile um uh crystal is the one inhuman who does not escape they um they catch her before um Lockjaw is able to teleport her. They they anesthetize um, Lockjaw. Oh, he'll be okay, but he's he's made. He's taking uh, a nap. He's taking a very long nap, and um, uh, so she's uh, locked in her apartment. Um, and uh, by w- uh, uh, Orin and Maximus concoct a scheme to trick her into letting them know where Medusa has gone off to um, by uh, talking with her and she says well I need to contact her and she uh, so they so Crystal inadvertently lets uh, Oren and Maximus know where exactly Medusa is um, on Earth and um, uh, Maximus sends Oren down to Earth to 
to kill her. Um, <laughs> now, she gets to go to Earth by way of Eldrak, the living doorway, who has the power to teleport people to anywhere he chooses. The downside being he gets to choose, and he's a total dick. Uh, <laughs> In the best way possible. Yeah. Yeah. He teleports so, Lauren into a brick wall. Right. So he, he teleports her down to, to, to Hawaii, but he, he, he materializes her right in, inside of a brick wall. Now, she can heal, so she gets better, but um, it can't have been too comfortable. No, um, she shoots her way out of it, which is pretty funny, too. Um, and, and after killing some... All right, we, before we go further, because I just have to say this because it's been bothering me, what was Eldrax's terogenesis like? That's all I got to say. Like, did he come out of that chamber and, like, they looked in and there was, like, this black slab, like, or did he, like, like no, seriously? I imagine it, it, it probably just... They have to get a man into... the whole chamber. <laughs> they have to get a man in to come and, uh, come and stick him on a door. I guess. Yeah. No, like he's like a slab of marble, and they have to get the special little thing. I don't know. We're going to glue you to the door over here. It just gets just a little bit of drywall, some stucco. Yeah. <laughs> um, of course, Drac. Yeah, it's a uh, he. That, he's fun though. Whoever, whoever the is actor fun. is that plays him uh, was brilliant. Like, yeah, that was just that was just a fun scene. Eldrak, I hope we see more of him because he's fun. Yeah, I think we will. Um, yeah, he's definitely he's definitely not like his comic book counterpart. Put it that way. No, definitely not. So, which actually, is I, I think actually um, it's better. Yeah, I was gonna say that's actually probably my biggest. Uh, he doesn't really he doesn't speak in 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 the comics. No, that's and it. And, and he kind of in this one he's kind of a face, whereas in the in the comics he's more of a mechanical looking face. He's thing. a giant mouth. Yeah, yeah, doorway. You walk actually walk through his mouth. Um, well, anyways, after she's teleported into a wall, Orin shoots her way out, and she seeks out Medusa. And you think, you know, Medusa is going to be all um, defenseless because she doesn't have her powers, but it turns out that she's actually kind of a badass um, and knows how to do uh, good hand-to-hand combat. Um, and we get a really intense scene of her and Orin fighting it out, um, and. Uh, Medusa prevails and just puts it to uh, Oren. What do you the double tap? <laughs> <laughs> what double tap from, from Zombieland? Yeah. Zombieland. Uh, yeah, she didn't. She didn't tap. double tap. She yeah. didn't. She just stabbed her in the gut and left her. You should have just made sure, but no. Tap 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 tap. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it turns out, I mean, this healing power. So it, although it looks at first Oren is dead, she heals, and uh, we'll see more from her in the future. So, so here's something. So, something I just thought about um, was the fact they that they know what her powers are. Yeah, sure. Because surely she's been to the genetic council. Because it seemed like the royal family were there when uh, most people got their powers. Most people went through terogenesis. Why don't they know what Oren's got? Or maybe they do, and Medusa was just doing that to knock her out and get away. Yeah, and, that's that's you know, true. Because that, she just kind of left her on. She just kind of left her on top of the car. I don't know, like, what oh, would well. be her other option to like just get out a saw and try and dismember her? I mean, it's <laughs> no, no, I'm not suggesting that at all. No, but <laughs> that it would just turn the show that... into something completely different, <laughs> right? But no, but 
it's a good point, but maybe Medusa did know and just knew that that was the best way to get Arn off her back and, and, yeah. and hide. Es- escape, right, yeah. I think that's what um, a subplot runs that um, uh, Gorgon has, he, he almost, he falls into the ocean looking for Triton, or a river looking for Triton. He almost drowns, but he is, you know, sort of rescued by a, a kindly group of surfers who are all very kind of pro-inhuman. They, they identify what he is quickly and they um are they think he's great (laughs) (laughs) they all get along yeah and um you know gorgon he's kind of a surfer dude in his own right his own way and uh actually fits in well uh with these dudes um he's a bit of a jock (laughs) yes he's played by emmy Ikawakor, i probably not pronouncing that correctly um but he's he's just having a blast um, he seems to be the actor who is enjoying this the most. Um, and that kind of comes through, I think. Uh, um, the scenes between him and Car- and Ken Lung's Karnak are my favorite. The, the two <laughs> yes. of them together are really a blast. Um, which is a nice callback because the two, Karnak and Gorgon used to be kind best of uh, uh, best friends and they would always go on adventures together and they were this sort of Laurel and Hardy type group and they haven't been buddies in a long time in the comics um, uh, uh, which is a shame but it's a nice little callback yeah Um, and uh, meanwhile Karnak (laughs) is is concussed (laughs) yeah yeah, I was to say that's like it's it's just the fact that they 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 laugh about it and Karlak is like that's my friend is my power. <laughs> and it's yeah, that's quite an amusing scene. Yeah. Yeah, with with Ken Lung does a great job as Karnak because you never know if he's if he's if he's doing everything kind of sarcastic or if he's actually sincere and that's kind of that's pretty much Karnak in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, right. You, you never know if he's being sardonic or if he's being, if he's being just a jerk. <laughs> it's a fun character, and I think uh, Ken Lung has fun playing him. Although uh, I don't really like the makeup because uh, Ken Lung has such a expressive face, and and um, it's kind of obscured a bit by all that. Oh, I didn't makeup. feel that at all. I thought it was pretty cool. I think, okay. I, think I will have um, to disagree with you. I think it would have been better if if the if the makeup had been similar to like the current incarnation of Ka- of Karnak, where I think mm. it's kind of underneath the eyes as opposed to next to them towards the back. Right. Um, in fact, I, in fact, I think I know. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that the makeup that that seems to be taken from is uh, is an alternate. Universe Karnak, isn't it? No, it, it's, it? no um, it's, it's Marvel Knights Karnak. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, sa- it's, a, it's the same illustrator, um, Jay Lee. Um, yeah, because um, uh, cause I actually put this on your Tumblr. Um, the fact that the Jay Lee Marvel Knights and the Jay Lee, uh, the Jay Lee did the cover of uh, Inhumans 2099. Right. And um, yeah, that's that's where it comes from, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so in that series, he has, uh, uh, it, I guess they're not tattoos, but he has something on his face that is a very kind of decorative um, lines and whatnot. And um, in his more, more recent redesign for the Warren Ellis series, um, initially illustrated by um, Roland, ba- oh gosh, well, a guy, well, someone. Someone. Bosky. Um, 
uh, he has more streamlined sort of lines um, going over the brow of his nose and um, maybe I, I don't think we'll ch- they'll change it in this series I, I you 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 don't feel it obscures his uh, facial yeah. expressions at all I, I kind of thought it did but you know we just agree to disagree that's fair enough there we yeah. go everybody's got different opinions we're allowed oh. yeah. um, so but um, going back to Gorgon in that scene um, he kind of gives a call to Maximus and uh, right. uh, basically taunts him and you know Maximus being the insecure person that he is um, <laughs> is not going to be able to say no to that I don't think yes yeah, so he's he calls him out Come at me, bro. And um, Max is going to take that bait. Um, uh, we'll see where that goes in, the next, in subsequent episodes. Um, It'll be fun. Yeah, that what that puts us up. That pretty much is it. Well, uh, there's also, um, he, you know, Maximus has been trying to kind of win Crystal to his side, and uh, he he even goes as low as as threatening Lockjaw and. Um, I guess they make a note to Crystal and Medusa's parents, and in in the TV show, I guess they're dead. And I, um, so I think there's that. So I think Crystal's kind of when we last see Crystal, we see her kind of looking at a picture of her family, and you would think she's she's contemplating Max's offer, like he he wants Crystal on on his it, side. Which is interesting because if he does indeed have mental manipulation powers, why doesn't he just use them on her? Does she have a uh, resiliency to it? She might. It might also could just give the game away because the fact that if she uses her powers, uh, if he uses his powers, sorry, then she's going to know he's got powers um, and then relay that to Black Bolt, Medusa. I, but I, she wouldn't be able to break free, but it would probably look suspicious Yeah. if yeah. he if she suddenly, you know, was resisting and then all of a sudden goes, oh yes, uh, you know, I think I think people would be, it would need to look authentic, and I think if you mind controlled her, it might not look as authentic. So you- also, a part of him does clearly, you know, he wants to be admired genuinely. I mean, he, he, he the the chip on his shoulder is significant, and I, maybe he wants to win over Crystal in a bona fide way, just for his own peace of mind. He could. I mean, he, he thinks of himself as the good guy, I'm sure, um, even though he's doing a lot of duplicitous things and whatnot. Um, right. So did um, did did what did you take from Maximus asking Crystal? I mean, did you just think he wanted to get her on side, or do you think he was looking for something potentially more from her? I think it's a little bit both because if you go look at that scene where he has her brought into the throne room, you can see even Crystal kind of was like, "What are you talking about?" and it could be that he maybe because he can't get Medusa, he might try and get go for her Crystal. sister. He also baits her into saying, into relaying kind of her bigotry. I mean, right. she she basically says to him, you know, why would I do? Why would I be on your side? You're just a human. Right. Um, yeah, that's, which that's, one could? That's, that's when the relationship sort of well. It's when Maximus <laughs> is kind of like, eh, well, screw you then. Right, and he he's gonna. Well, that's when he starts threatening the dog. Yeah, yeah. Right. the rest of his family. So, um, you know, I think I think after that scene, that's when he kind of starts, kind of getting putting more pressure on Crystal in not so nice ways. Yeah. Um, 
But it also goes to show you kind of, you know, the Society Crystals, once again, it kind of beats back to the very beginning of this the episode where, you know, she's raised in a society where she's been shown she's better than him. Yeah. And well, if you look at her power set, technically... <laughs> She's she's ultra privileged and she's been pampered and she's kind of I think her journey in this in this you know first season is going to be about you know learning <clears throat> realizing her own folly and um, yeah. becoming stronger because of it I think um, and clearly she will escape at some point and make her way to Earth and like you were saying off air um, you know, Crystal's powers will be uh, augmented hugely when she is exposed to the earth elements as opposed to the elements, the limited elements on the moon. Um, so she might uh, be <clears throat> much more powerful when on, on earth. Yeah. Um, I think it's the same with Orin. I, I, I have the same theory for Orin and I don't think it's kind of registered yet. She hasn't been on earth long enough, but I'm wondering if it's the same theory for Orin, but we'll have to wait and see. That, that she will gain hearing, super hearing powers when she's on earth. Yeah. Yeah, that because Adelan's such a small society, it's different than when she's on Earth and she can hear anyone anywhere. That's uh, a possibility, I suppose. Um, or I could be completely wrong. Uh, so, it, it, Isabel Cornish plays um, uh, Crystal, and I think of the entire cast, she looks the most like yes. her comic book counterpart. It's a really stunning. I think she's given the least to do, and her character is the least formed thus far, and it's yeah, kind of tough. And, which is kind of interesting, too, because out of all the Inhumans, at least in the comics books, Crystal's the one that's the most relatable, because she's the one who spent most of her time among humans so they and, think and, it'll be and she's the youngest so let's let's not be yeah. you know she is she is the one that's going to identify more with the target audience of the show so i think that's well, going it, to keep it, going in, forward. in in the comics uh crystal's the one who adopts more uh earthly morals and whatnot and she's the one who um helps the in human society realize they have to abolish slavery and things like that and um you know she's in in the comics she's one very compassionate she's the best character in in many ways and um i think that just in these two episodes um her character's a little underformed um but perhaps subsequent episodes will 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 rectify that um I mean, if, if, yeah, we, if, progresses. if we talk about sort of like general opinions of the show and cast and that sort of stuff, I think, um, how do I put this? I think it's well, it's been well casted. Um, Absolutely. I, I, I agree I, with that. I don't know. I still... And Surinder Swan filmed two, two shows. Yes. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta give her props. She was doing HBO's Ballers and, uh, and Inhumans simultaneously. She was filming them both, which is crazy. But uh, so, to me, to me, Anson Mount still. I think I said this after the IMAX one. He's still. I don't know. He isn't Black Bolt for me, um, and I think he's the only one out of the whole cast where I still can't quite see him as Black Bolt. And I'm hoping that's going to change. Um, but well, it's a tough character to play. I mean, he yeah. he can't talk. He's ultra withdrawn and restrained and sort of self-modulated, um, and the. There's only so much you can do on screen to relay that. He 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 looks, you know, 
basically constipated the entire time, but he's just um, keeping it together, I suppose. Um, perhaps as things move forward, he'll get a little more uh, of an ability to, to, to stretch out and, yeah. and do more with it. Because in these first two episodes, he really had, you know, basically look angry. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Um, well, I don't know. There's the bit at the start where he didn't need to look angry. Yeah, yeah I suppose. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm referring to. Yes, of course. Uh... <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, and um, it, it's uh, yeah, the cast is is great, but um, they the 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 dialogue is just terrible um <laughs> yeah i think uh, I, but I, again i think that goes back to my opinion on uh almost like being able to put the inhumans on a, on a tv show you've kind of you've got that whole oldie worldy kind of style to the inhumans which makes them what they are but you, right. you how do you how do you portray that on tv and how do you portray that with actual dialogue because everybody reads a comic book and they read it completely differently um, right, you know, yeah, because in the in the comic books, everyone speaks in in oaths and hyperbole, and it's over the top, and you're like, that's how it should be, and it doesn't always translate yeah. well. into now, what what the Marvel cinematic universe has done thus far is made everything super kind of tongue in cheek, so then, oh, Kitty. hi there, hi, that's my cat. <clears throat> so that you know, like. Uh, whether it be Chris Pratt or Robert Downey Jr. or whomever, they're always kind of like winking at the camera, sort of laughing alongside of how goofy it is, which yeah. is, you know, very fun and, you know, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Now, you know, the the Inhumans are kind of the antithesis of that because it's very over the top and, and not like, you know, tongue in cheek at all. So it, mm-hmm ends up being kind of the square peg of, of the Marvel universe because um, I don't you know, I, I think I th- there's no talking raccoons right and I think that's kind of through because um, I was live tweeting last night and it seemed that um, it seemed to me that the, like how seriously it kind of the show took itself I think it threw a lot of people off and I think it threw people off that it wasn't your typical superhero thing I mean these clearly aren't the best people. Yeah. And overall, and I think I think there was a, a, I think that threw a lot of people off. Well, it's disconcerting for a lot of people to see, um, you know, characters who are addressing the issue, you know, the issues of ingrained racial superiority that that you know is a, a problem in our own society, and and people don't always. I mean, I feel like it's very important to constantly be on the lookout for that and to, to address it and to try and mull it over, but not everyone enjoys doing it. <laughs> it's, it can be disquieting. Um, and that's what the humans are all about. It's a, it's about taking on those things and, and, and acknowledging that they're real and trying to get better. And, um, while that's important, it's not always fun. Yeah. Um, I, exactly. I think it's fun, but I'm kind of a weird guy. Um, well, I think it, I, and I think that's exactly um, going forward. I really think that that's basically what's going to be the premise of the show in a lot of ways. Um, at least I hope it is, because um, there's a lot of potential here, and you know, um, it's a pilot, so I, I 
you know, I know it's going to, and especially for a, a property that people aren't familiar with. So I understand that, you know, it's a little rough around the edges. I did enjoy it um, a lot more seeing it on television than I did in IMAX. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a lot more fun and, and enjoyable. And I think um, the deleted Louis scenes from IMAX, um, adding them back in, added a lot more context yeah. to the show. <clears throat> That's it. So, I, I, I really think that had they had those scenes, actually, in this, even the Maximus and Contang scene, um, it added so much context, added so much, uh, what's the word, exposition, the right word? I don't know. But it yeah. kind of, um, you know, added that element that I think the IMAX scenes were missing because, because well, literally missing, um, because it, it kind of showed true, especially, well, particularly with Maximus Contang, it showed exactly what his um, motives, are. motives are, what he wants to achieve and that kind of thing. Um, right. And then the NASA scenes kind of show just set up that whole human element a lot better, anyway. Right, I, I agree, and uh, I mean it, it. It didn't change my overall opinion. I mean, I, it's still a, a two out of five lockjaw affair, but <laughs> I thought that the um, the extra scenes were helpful, um, and uh, that actually watching it on TV was more helpful because this the small screen. It's a TV budget and the TV show. So, um, so numbers are in, guys, for the ratings for last night. Okay. Uh, so, Inhumans opened to a point nine rating with three point seven eight million live viewers, um, and that's a tad ahead of Shield last season, which was Tuesday at ten. Um, and Tuesday at ten is, so is late in the evening. That premiere last night was a huge hit for ABC. <laughs> So, that's good. Really? That's good. That's, a, I, that's I mean, what qualifies as a hit these days, huh? Well, to be oh, fair, I, so. I mean, I guess, I guess you guys in the US have. Um, oh, my cat just came in. I guess you guys in the US have much more uh, TV shows, TV pro, uh, TV channels, that sort of thing, than what we do in the UK. I mean, saying that, you know, I don't have Sky or um, any cable networks, that sort of stuff. But I'm, I'm guessing that three million is good because of the fact that it's. Uh, Got to compete with so many others, uh, so much other stuff. I I don't know how um, the network ratings and and uh, uh, numbers really work, but um, apparently I know that... that's what people are saying that it was that that was a good premiere last night. Yeah, well, I three, think three million in the UK would be really good. I th- that's that's uh, you know I think uh, what's really going to count is how it does next week. Yes. Uh, yes. Because I think that despite the buzz being so negative, there being so much buzz probably uh, got people watching it. Because, I mean, the show was lambasted by the critics. And um, I think that people were tearing it down so hard that it might have actually created interest in watching it. Um, Similar to Iron Fist. I think that's, that's true mm-hmm. because because it's funny because uh, I, I don't know if we said, talked about it in the last <clears throat> in the last episode of the podcast, but Defenders actually came in at the least viewed Marvel series on Netflix. Yeah, um, and I think Iron Fist is one of the better ones. Yeah, and you kind of think, but Iron Fist was, you know, in, in a lot of people's opinion, including mine, it was the worst of the four. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you kind of think about that, and you kind of think, well, okay. If if that's success, then that's success. Well, right, I, yeah. but 
But what? it still doesn't have a good rating on like Rotten Tomatoes or anything. But I don't really trust Rotten Tomatoes because people who want to hate on it hate on it. Will I'm much give more it bad rating. To, much, much more inclined to use IMDb. Yeah. Well, it's. Uh, I mean, I. I think that if you like if you like this kind of stuff, you're gonna have a fun time. I think coming in with such low expectations very much helped me enjoy uh, the program uh, ahead of time because um, had I gone in hoping, you know, thinking it was going to be as great as my imagination could make it, then I would have been very disappointed. But I was, I came in knowing that it already had a lot of flaws and. Watching it with lowered expectations made it a very fun affair because I wasn't yeah. let down. I was exactly. actually I was pleasantly, surprised. pleasantly surprised. Exactly. Right. I think. And, um, um, I just I say I think in in this day and age where <clears throat> Marvel can, you know, put out a polished turd um, and it would get millions upon millions of views and hits. I mean, okay, I didn't mean that quite quite it came out, but look at Ant Man uh-huh. for instance. Um, oh, Ant Man was so much fun, though. Yeah, but, but Ant Man was like one of those things where nobody had heard of him, nobody had any idea what it was about. Well, it's the same with Iron Man. Yeah, Iron Man and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, particularly Guardians of the Galaxy, particularly because of the fact that they were a team that weren't even, you know, they weren't even a decade old at the point that they got a movie. So, in you know, in this day and age, Marvel are just putting out stuff which they hope is going to do well. Um, and they know that they're going to get a viewership, so... Right. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Although, I mean, not to nitpick, but the Guardians of the Galaxy have, are more than a decade old. No, but I mean <laughs> the, actual, the, actual, um, the actual team, Star-Lord, Oh, Gamora, this, this version, yes, of course, yeah, I see. They, they, they um, came out, um, uh, Dan Abnett, was it 2008 for Annihilation, was it? Oh, right, that version, yeah. I suppose, right, okay, okay. I sit corrected. So, um, yeah, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, obviously, you know, incredibly uh, established team, but no, I just mean the core I, members. I mean, I sit back and I think to myself I, that this is not the Inhuman show I would have wanted. You know, it doesn't; it's not as big and over the top and weird and crazy as I would hope it to be. But it, you know, at the same time, you know, my the 12 and 14 year old self who first fell in love with these characters, if you had told him, Oh, they're going to be on a TV show sometime when you're, you know, older, I would have never believed it. And it's just, you know, to be able to see a lot a CGI rendered lockjaw interacting with an act within a human is just, you know, it's just amazing. And it's worth it for that alone. Yeah. I think Absolutely. it's just, um... just the fact that we, we have them all, the Royal family on screen now is, is something to be excited for. And I can only hope that um, the season improves as time goes on. Well, I don't know how it's going to be for other folks, but I'm certainly quite interested to see what happens in episode three because Absolutely. Um, everything's set up. Uh, I mean, although this, the story is hodgepodge and the, the dialogue is insane, um, the potential is all there. I mean, the the actors are all really game. Um, the the plot line has a lot of intrigue. Um, I think if this property can get its feet under itself and really get going, it, it could be something quite great. It could. Um, I think if by some miracle a second season is greenlit, 
it could be amazing. I mean, clearly they'd have to get rid of the showrunner and bring on someone who doesn't have oh, someone capable. Um, well, Scott that, Buck didn't write episodes three and four, right? I don't know. I don't know who wrote what. I, I know that it'll be a different director. Um, oh, that's what I'm thinking. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, because the first two were directed by the same guy because it was the IMAX episodes. Right. Ryan Rain. Roll Ryan. Yeah. Roll Ryan. I don't know. Um, I mean, he he did a fine job, I suppose. I mean, I, I think he was asked to cut a lot of corners um, and get things done fast. Um the Inhumans are such a bizarre and nuanced thing that um, to do it fast is it really does it a disservice. But That's like it. you guys say, it's it's, it's, right. it's still fun. It's still yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, considering how rushed it was, it could have been a lot worse, and it wasn't. So I was gonna say, I, I'm pretty sure it was what I don't know if I've already you know said this. It was like a year ago that it was announced. Yeah, if that this- and. Because we covered it on the podcast, and this podcast has only just hit its year-long milestone, so you know yeah. the the Inhumans project has been going less for, for less time than this podcast has. So it, that's that to me is weird in itself. But and whatever petty infighting is going on between the television and and movie sort of sides of of Marvel, they you know they need to put that stuff to rest because. Um, uh, it, it would be better if they worked together instead of working against one another. Yeah. Um, right. And because uh, uh, you know, uh, the, having this expanded universe to play in makes creates such potential. Um, where you know, for instance, like you were saying, this guy, uh, uh, the boss, the dumb boss, why would he even? think twice about there being a hoof on the moon. Of course there could be a hoof on the moon if you've seen what's been going on. You know? <laughs> right. It's like, um, it, it, so, it, um, but the when this, there's going to be eight episodes and um, when it concludes, it's going to segue right into the next season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I wouldn't, I would not be surprised if the, if one, if the two don't, tethered together a little more keenly oh i than, think they will i i, I have a, considering what we saw at the end of last season of shield and um the fact that they appear kind of to be on now. some sort of space sta- a space station right exactly and the other thing um i want to make a note of that people were saying speaking of agents of shield is where was shield when you know some guy appeared in the middle of the street with a giant dog and you know started blowing up cop cars in downtown honolulu get a new suit and, <laughs> right I, I really think that perhaps maybe that there's a chance that if, if they're going to be as linked as, as much as we hope they are, that perchance, because, you know, it's all connected, um, maybe this, season, this first season of Inhumans is, is taking place while the rest of the S.H.I.E.L.D. crew is, is in the framework. Right. So well, That would explain their absence. It or, or, or in space. Well... I mean, both, are, both are equally... Uh, plausible. It's, uh, it, I mean, yeah, these things can happen alongside one another, um, but it, it it would it would explain it as to like why didn't they address this issue going on? Um, seeing how they are, you know, kind of the experts on the Inhumans in the Marvel universe. Well, maybe they're stuck in the framework. Um, 
that would make total sense. Um, and it would be really cool if um, what first appeared to be a space station in that one small scene at the end um, is actually a, a, a moon station because yeah. that's that's in space. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's true. Um, or, it's, or it's just the space station. But I, I think he said time to get to work. So what if maybe somehow Coulson and crew wind up on Adelan and they're off I mean, of primitives in the mines? That'd be wild. Um, we will see. I think um, there's a lot of potential for what's going to go forward, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. Uh, I hope that other people um, do as well, and uh, we shall see. I mean, we, we've tried to be as unbiased going into it as possible, but you know, there's obviously a little bit of biasness considering you're listening to it, a, a podcast based around the Inhumans sort of properties um but you know it it, it it was quite a positive opener i thought um i was quite happy with it both it, i when i came out of imax i thought it was relatively good but it's like you said doc with the uh with my expectations it through the floor how else could i not appreciate it exactly yeah low low expectations it makes for a pleasant viewing sometimes um i mean i, I recall being uh Many years ago, going in to see the 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 Phantom Menace, uh, the new Star Wars movie, and I was expecting the moon. I was uh, I just thought it was going to be the greatest thing ever, <laughs> and I was just absolutely devastated. I mean, He's I was inconsolent. <laughs> I just oh, it was so rough. It was one. It was it's up there with like my grandparents dying and things like those in terms of like <laughs> oh, Jesus. you know, it's just like it really. It, it, and so, not expecting great things really helped me enjoy this. Um, and I think that that's probably how it's going to be for a lot of folks, just because of the way in which um, the, the, uh, the reviewers, um, you know, basted it. That's it. I think, right. I think the internet just amplifies any sort of negative or, or positive. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, no, you see, you see far more negative than you see positive on the internet. And if someone's going to hate it and they're going to hate it, with as much vitriol as the Inhumans have received, I guarantee you a lot of people are going to jump on the bag- bandwagon without even doing their own research on it. So Entirely yeah. possible. That's it. But um, we will see, and we will review the next episode as it comes out. Um, yeah, this is the first time we've actually reviewed non-comic books, TV shows. So if you guys have any comments or uh, pointers on how we can streamline the process, please do share with us at... The show at AtalanRising.com. And our Twitter is is at AtalanRising1. Now, uh, Serena, are you going to continue to live-tweet new episodes? I will be live-tweeting new episodes every week from the Adelan Rising Twitter account, so please follow along. Um, I like to have a good time. Um, I do know there are um, a couple other podcasts that are also going to be live-tweeting it along uh, with us as well, so um, be sure that you do that. You'll see me um, take over the Adelan Rising account every Friday. Nice. Um, Great. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you. Till next time. Bye.